This message is brought to you by this excellent church. We excel at reshaping people's values and reconciling men to God. You're about to hear peace and preach. Be blessed. It's good to see every one of you. Amen. Praise Jesus. I'm happy that um, folks have been learning stuff. And um, I hope I want you to continue to pay the same attention and even more as we go on and as we um, continue to see the, this subject matter, which is very, very important for our Christian work. Hallelujah. I want you to pay the same attention even until the end. Hallelujah. Listen, I want to move on today, but I want something to sink in. Sin is a big deal. Sin is a big deal. There's nothing worse than it. Sin is a big deal. Because to cut off yourself from your creator, to cut off yourself from the person that created you and why the person created you is the worst thing you can do to any created entity. Church, do you understand that? You create a keyboard and I start using it as a hammer to be nailing things or to be sweeping the floor. Do you understand that? I create a camera and I use it for serving food. And those are even bad analogies. Do you understand that? Those are very bad analogies, but at least they get the point across. There's nothing worse than the purpose and the destiny of something being distorted or being diverted away. There's nothing as sad as it. Um, people that are naturalists and um, people that love, love the earth, some, some of them, they love the earth even more than human beings. They will look at creation and they'll see an animal about to go extinct. They'll say, oh, wow, this beautiful bird with 70 different colors, remaining only five of it in the world. And if we continue the way we're going, it's a complete uh, natural catastrophe that this animal is going extinct. <laughs> you know? So even the natural man understands that it is a terrible thing that life is destroyed. So many animals have gone extinct today, and truly, actually, it's a terrible thing, right? But it's just that in the scheme of things, if you wait, you understand? But it's actually a terrible thing. Beautiful animals, wonderful things that have existed in the past, they are not existing anymore. And human beings, it pains them so much that they will do all kinds of things. Just a few decades ago, tigers were about to go extinct. The way things were going, our children will never see tigers. It's only on TV or videos of the past. Then people gathered together and spent billions and billions of dollars. Started saving tigers to the extent that they will kill human beings before the human being kills the tiger. Because they understood that death is a terrible thing. They, oh sorry, they understand. So there's actually nothing worse than, than sin. For a human being, for, for the people created in the image of God, there's nothing worse than sin. So that's why, you know, if you read Genesis chapter 3, it look like such a casual thing. And God now say, oh, ah, um, they've sinned, oh, send them out of the Garden of Eden. And you know, from, listen, all that the devil has been doing is to try to diminish the import of sin in our minds. That's all that Satan has been doing. Sin is actually a big deal. All that Satan has been doing is to try to diminish the import of sin. Well, before you are saved and even after you are saved, Satan will work to diminish the import of sin, to make sin not to look like a big deal. But it is a big deal. 
Do you know that even in the New Testament, even in the New Testament, the preaching of the gospel was that men should repent and receive the sacrifice that Jesus had. Everywhere the gospel was preached, you go and check, you know, Acts chapter 2, everywhere. So, you see, the conviction of sin, so that people could first realize how bad their sin was, so that they can now ask, what shall we do to be what? Do you understand that? This idea that preaching the gospel is about telling people what Jesus can do for them, how nice Jesus is, that's why we are breeding, we are gathering people who we think they are Christians, but they are not actually Christians. Because many people from the beginning did not understand what they were being saved from. And that's why it seems like as if nowadays there's a kind of repentance or being saved whereby a person can continue with the same behavior after they've been saved. Have you not noticed it? When the gospel first came to Nigeria, what it meant to be born again was that the day you got saved, your life changed. Because what happened at the preaching of that gospel is that you recognize that this sin is killing me. I need salvation from it. So after you have reached salvation, you will not go back to the thing that was killing you. You will not be like a dog that will go back to his vomit. Do you understand that? But when people get saved in the atmosphere of there was nothing really bad with you, bad about you before. When people get saved to the gospel of you don't really understand how bad you were. That is what, that's why people, in such atmosphere, is where people get saved and their lives continue the way it started. They keep doing the same things they were doing. Because they don't know what they received. And for many people, it begs asking the question whether they were actually saved. You understand what I just said? I looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and I noticed that Apostle Paul said something very subtle and very interesting. He said that when we're even having believers meetings hmm, and you are speaking in tongues, make sure that somebody can interpret. Do you know why? So that when the person comes, the interpretation and your prophecy will convict the person of their words, sin. And then they will recognize that truly God is within you. Say so the sins of their hearts, that's what you know nowadays, what we're prophesying. The only things we prophesy is you're about to make it in life. But actually, if you look at the Acts of the Apostles, more of the dispensation of those gifts, of word of knowledge, and all those gifts of knowing things you never learned, was actually to make people, was actually to break people down to recognize the import of their sin. When Peter was going to talk to someone to sorcerer, he said, I perceive that you are a wicked person and you, you know you are an enemy of God. Do you understand that? Because prophecy and all those gifts of the Spirit is actually meant to make men bow down before God and recognize that they need a Savior. Church up together. Now, that's not to say that prophecy cannot help edification. You understand what I'm saying? I'm just trying to show you the difference in the way we are looking at this thing. Sin is actually a big deal. And that's why there are some very interesting things about sin. Such that because Sin, by nature, is separation from God and deviation from the purpose of God for our lives. Do you know that we even, in our lives, we begin to see the effects of sin? We begin to see death at work. And that's what Satan will do. Try to make you make some sins look small and make some sins look big and all that. What happens is that human beings usually have a grading structure for sin based on how bad it makes them feel. That's why the all-time winner of bad sin is fornication and sexual sins. Do you know why? 
Because all of us hold it, all of us, it makes us feel bad. So that's why from time, based on our own grading structure, huh, sin is always a big deal for us across culturally. Because when someone that you love, or someone that you're tripping for, or someone that you're in group, uh, talking stage with, or someone that you're even married to, betrays you and sleeps with someone else, or even gets emotionally attached to someone else, it can be very painful. That is the spirit behind why fornication and adultery looks like the biggest sin that we always talk about. But not so. But it's not so. All these sins are actually destroying and killing us in ways that we can even begin to perceive. Gluttony is a sin. Overeating. Eating beyond what is required for strength and what is now for the pure indulgence of the flesh is a sin. Is a sin. And that's why it is killing us. I went for a congress of doctors recently and they said within 10 years, 1.18 billion human beings on the surface of the earth went from overweight to obese. Is it God's fault that he blessed us with the technology to make food production become faster and easier? Is it God's fault? Eating beyond what is required is a sin. And that's why it's killing you or killing humanity. It's not killing Jesus' name. That's why it's actually killing people. Obesity itself now is now considered a disease in itself. You see some funny things and you'll be affirming it. You say, body positivity. Body positivity. You, you speak your truth, girl. Hmm. It's a sin. And that's why it's killing people. Your heart is giving up. It's causing cancer. It's causing all kinds of things. It's a sin. Putting yourself under the power of certain things that are meant to be for your enjoyment and making them to have control over you is a sin. Where you cannot stop watching TV when you are meant to, you are committing a sin. And it's killing you. It's affecting your things. Why do you think Nigeria is bad? Because of unrighteousness. Seal is killing this country. That's what's killing this country. Do you think if everybody in Nigeria was saved and all of them were behaving like children of God, do you think Nigeria would be bad? Do you know why the reason why the most prosperous countries are prosperous? The reason why the most prosperous countries are prosperous is because their ancestors, among which there was a critical mass of people that their head were correct as Christians, laid down certain value systems upon which they built their societies. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Yes. That's why they're the ones teaching all the other countries in the world how to build prosperous and peaceful countries. It was built on those Christian values. And when their children, their descendants begin to deviate from those values, they begin to decline. Because it is righteousness that upholds a nation. And sin is a reproach to a people. Nigeria is bad today not because we have black skin or we have low IQ, but because we are sinners. Sinners, terrible human beings. We have kings, local traditional kings till today that when they want to become kings and when they want to do their coronation, they, start, they slaughter human beings. We have men in authority that are stealing and stealing and stealing for no other reason understandable other than to preserve their power. You say, you say some strong things sometimes that look very funny, but it's meant to get to your back. You Sometimes you have to ask, there is probably no safe politician in Nigeria. Probably. 
I that's why I put probably in false. There is probably none. Probably. It's the truth. Because if you are a child of God that has the Holy Spirit, eh? If, if you are genuinely saved, there are some things that even when your head is not going correct, do you understand? As long as that Holy Spirit is inside of you, you cannot do it. Do you understand that? Sloth, laziness is a sin. Praise Jesus. Church all together. Amen. So, when Satan tries to make you feel like somebody can be a sinner and be feeling entitled to life, Satan is lying to you. He's trying to make sure that that person can never enter the purpose of God for their lives. Listen to me. Based on our sinfulness, nobody is entitled to any good from God. Do you understand that? When a man has been cut off from the good, you don't feel entitled to good. You see this nonsense thing that they used to say, that uh, Christianity is a, is a religion that makes people feel guilty. It causes psychological trauma. And because of that, that is why it lets him. See, the trauma is obviously not enough. The trauma that Christianity has caused is obviously not enough for you to be saying that nonsense that you are saying. This sense of entitlement to, to life, as if you created yourself, this sense of entitlement to things going the way you want, as if you created yourself. You have no entitlement to be... I'm, I'm not talking about you now. You understand what I'm saying, Abby? Hey, okay. Right? A sinner does not have any sense of entitlement to be feeling like they deserve some good things because they are human beings. You don't understand. You are not, you are not what you were created for. Normally, what you do when you create something as a human being and the thing is not working well, you call it factory words, reject. You send it back to the owner so that they can destroy it and print a new one. Do you understand that? A sinner is a factory reject. You are not supposed to be feeling entitled to things going your way. You are a reject. You have, you have left the purpose of God for your life. What they created you for, which is for fellowship with God, and being a demonstration of his image, you have left it. So your normal answer, the normal thing that's supposed to happen to you is you're supposed to be destroyed. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? I'm feeling entitled to say, can you call Christianity that was making us feel bad for what we have done? Can you call free yourself from the... <laughs> you're not feeling bad enough. Oh, sinner. Church, I get what I'm saying to you. It's important you understand this. Sin is a big deal. And that's why when the world did not know, when the, when the world lost connection, when humanity lost connection with God, you know, the next thing that God did was begin to lay a plan and begin to and execute a plan whereby human beings can understand the problem again. Do you understand that? When someone has left the purpose of God for their life and the person does not even know, no one understands, no one, no one follows peace, all of them, their mouths are open and their, their feet are swift to shed violence. All of them are sinners. All have fallen short of the glory of God. When a man has left the place of the God's purpose for his life or the plan that is for his life, what you do is not that, and you love the person. 
What you do is not let them be destroyed. What you do is you have to save them. And so the first thing that you do is to make them first of all realize that this thing where you are is a problem. The phone is malfunctioning, but the, but the phone does not know it's malfunctioning. Or the person using the phone does not know it's malfunctioning. First thing you need to do is to see and realize that what is malfunctioning is not good. Stretch out together. Stretch out together. But you cannot believe that sin is an issue unless you believe in the almighty God that sin is a transgression against. Do you understand that? Hmm. When a person wants to make sin not to be like a big deal, one of the things that you do, one of the things that you do is that you first of all ensure that the concept or the idea of an almighty God is distorted. You have to first distort it. That's why people in paganism, people can have all kinds of ridiculous, sinful, religious acts and they think it's in service to a God. Do you understand that? Because when you set up all kinds of nasty idols and you have a distorted view of the almighty God, what will happen is that one God will show up and he will say that he's the God of fertility and sex. And so all kinds of fornication and adultery and temple halotry and temple homosexuality and transgenderism and all those kinds of funny things that happen in service to that God will become sanctioned. Because the image of the God that they believe in is distorted. So the first thing that God had to do was to first come and reintroduce himself to humanity. Do you understand what I just said now? You can read the types and shadows from Genesis chapter 1 down to Genesis chapter 12. It's something you should do this week. Very interesting. Do you, do you see, those guys obviously saw something coherent and beautiful in its exp, in an explanatory power of the course of humanity. Adam fell. And by the next generation, a brother was killing his brother. And from there, the Bible says that by the time we got to Noah's, uh, to, Noah's um, to, to the time of Noah, the Bible says that the entire world, all of them were wicked, violent, brutal people. None was left. And for the sake of you people understanding, so you will not say, ah, eh, if people are bad, why don't you just take care of the bad people and leave the good ones? They did it. So you can see what happens. So even if they do something now and now say, so for you to know, for you to know that the only solution was what Jesus did. Some of you will have come up with a suggestion and say, God, you don't even know what you are doing. What you should do is that the bad people, take them away. So that the people that are good, you leave them. Did he, he anticipated it. And I say, okay, you know what, all of you, all of you are cuckoo sinners before, right? I will use people to, see, to teach an eternal story. Oh yeah, Noah's flood. And he killed all those sinful people. Is it not Noah's children that became the ones that built the Tower of Babel? Letting you know that it is man himself that is a sinner. And so, with any salvation that you want to afford humanity, that will save humanity, must be for all men. And all the judgment must be for what? Do you understand what I'm saying to you? This idea that, ah, God should just be killing all the sinners that are, eh, ah, if, 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 you know, if it was like the Old Testament, 
God will just kill all these sinner people. Oh, God, see, calm down, no? Because if they want to kill all the sinners, everybody go what? Everybody go collect. <laughs> Hallelujah. So God had to reintroduce himself to humanity. And so that's why he picked a man. The man's name was Abraham. Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17. Chapter 17. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God, what? Almighty. Walk before me, faithful and what? Blameless. So God first had to reintroduce himself to humanity. Now when God wants to reintroduce himself, the question you might be asking is, why didn't God reintroduce himself as himself to all the different tribes and culture on the world? Now let me tell you something, right? If you want to do something in this world, everybody's work is nobody's work. Do you hear that? Do you hear what I just said now? Do you understand what I just said now? When you want to start something on the earth, everybody's revelation is nobody's revelation. You will look for a man that is faithful. Start with him and show forth that revelation. And it is through that man that everything will spread to the rest of humanity. Do you understand that? So God found a man that was faithful. And we already know the reason why he chose him faithful. I've taught you guys before. Because he looked on the earth and he was looking for a man whose heart was right and who will teach his children and his children's children whatever revelation he has received. And he found that man in Abraham. And he chose that man for this purpose. And give him this revelation and say, I am God Almighty. All these pagan gods are just nothing. I am the Lord Almighty. I am the one that created even those pagan idols that they are worshipping. Those demons and spirits that they are worshipping. I created all of them and I will judge all of them too. The way I will judge you. I am God Almighty. Radical revelation for his time. Radical. Radical revelation for one person to realize that there is only one God who is almighty, that there is nothing greater than him. That idea is doesn't, human beings cannot come up with it by themselves. It's something that comes, do you hear what I just said now? It's something that comes by revelation. If I leave you now without salvation, we don't, don't know anything, and I leave you in the bush to begin to imagine um, by yourself what eternity looks like. You will come up with the idea of God, but you will not come up with the idea of an almighty God. You will look at the sun and say there's a God for the sun. You will look at water and say there's a God for water. Are you going to say to you? When you are trying to have children, you cannot have children, and therefore some people are lucky, some people are not lucky. The way you explain it, you say there's a God for what? Fertility. So God comes and reintroduces himself to Abraham and now says, I am God Almighty. That was the first stage. You, humanity had to first recognize that there is one God whom there is nothing greater than that you cannot add anything to him and you cannot reduce him. He is the one almighty God. Church out together. Then, when he, when he had taught his children and his children's children up until the fourth and fifth generation, his children went into another land just as he promised Abraham and in that land, they became slaves. And God in his divine providence and sovereignty was telling an eternal story. And he was working out something. Even despite their suffering, God was using all those things to work out something. And in Exodus chapter 6. Exodus chapter 6. 
after the people had understood that there's one God Almighty, he now said the next thing for you to understand is that there's something called sin. And that's why he now sent the law. But before you can say something is sin, you must go beyond understanding that God is just God Almighty because God Almighty can be deism, like the universe. You know, there's a deism. There are some versions of, you know, believing in, there's a version, there's some versions of monotheism very close to, you know, you know, versions of, let me just, let me not go through philosophical, right? There are some versions of, you can, you can believe that God is Almighty and have an almost deistic view of him. That means it's a God Almighty that is somewhere that has created everything and all of us can be dancing Makusa. You understand that? You know, believing that God is God Almighty does not necessarily mean believing that you should behave yourself the way he wants. People that believe in the universe, that there's, uh, um, the universe is going to make everything work and all that, is a form of deism. They believe the universe is God Almighty, even though the universe was created. <laughs> Let's not get into all that. Right? They believe that the universe is God Almighty, but they also believe that they can live their lives anyhow. That's why someone believed that the universe brought me and a guy and a girl together so I can fornicate. You've not seen it before. I've seen it before in TV, all right? So, <laughs> all kinds of things. So, it must go beyond I am God Almighty to a more particular revelation and understanding of God. And this more particular revelation and understanding is not, that, it's not just that I am God Almighty. You must now understand that I am also your Lord. I am not just God Almighty in the distance. I am also your Lord, that you are meant to serve me. And what I do is what you, what I say is what you do. Do you understand what I just said now? Exodus chapter 6. Verse 1 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. Then God said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan where they resided as, for, as, as what? Foreigners. Do you see that? So God deliberately started by letting them know that I'm God Almighty. Let it enter your head well first. You now know, okay, there's God Almighty. And I say, now, I am more than God Almighty. I am your Lord. I am the landlord. I am the ballet, and I have an intentionality. The idea of the Lord there was to, to, was, to, um, mag, was to increase the revelation, to make the revelation brighter, to add something to what they did not know before. And that addition was that let, him, let them know that this God Almighty is intentional. He has intentions concerning the way you live your life. That's what a landlord is. He is intentional. And not only is he intentional, he has the right, because he's almighty and he's Lord, he can judge you based on what you have done that is wrong. So that's why when you show up in court, you say what? My Lord. <laughs> What's the name of this guy? Um, Spanner. Is this Spanner? What's his name? Uh, there's a name of that is character. Barista. Uh, what's one funny name? My Lord, may I. My Lord, may I. <laughs> because your Lord can deal with you. To let you know that where you are has, has fallen short of his standards. 
And so that's why with the revelation that he was Lord came the revelation of the law. Hallelujah. Do you understand that? That's why the law of Moses did not come before the revelation of God as the Lord. It came, it's when the judge shows up that the judge will now judge you for sin. The judge cannot judge you for a sin or send you to prison for a sin if there is no law that you are breaking. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? You see some things now. That's why Paul will say some things. That in Romans chapter 5, he says that even though there was sin in the world before the law came, sin was not imputed until the law came. It's not as if sin was not existing before the law. Sin was there. But people did not know what sin was. But it was time for it to be imputed. Because if it was not imputed, there would be no necessity of salvation from it. Hi, do you understand what I'm saying to you? It's a beautiful story. He says, now I am the Lord. And so, with the coming of the Lord, with the coming of the revelation of the Lord, came the revelation of the law of Moses. Hallelujah. What is the law of Moses? The law of Moses were are a set of precepts and ordinances constituting of both moral and ceremonial laws. Church, are we together? It is made up of both moral and ceremonial laws. And it was the revelation of God to the Jewish people. Follow. It was the revelation of God to the Jewish people. For the sake of training them. This thing, I didn't make it up, but this is just coming. So just writing it down like that. For the sake of training them and training their wills to recognize the necessity of salvation. It was a constitution, a corpus of laws and ordinances, a body of laws and ordinances, both moral and ceremonial. From the Lord to the Jewish people for the sake of training their volition and their wills to recognize the need for salvation. Church, all together. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Verse 19. Why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgression, transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. A mediator, however, implies more than one party. But God is one. Hallelujah. So do you see that? The law was given because of what? Transgression. When the landlord of the world showed up, it was time for men to recognize that there's something called sin. That's real problem. It was time for them to understand that there was something called sin. Because the recognition of sin as a problem, first of all, like I said, is what will enable salvation to be required, right? The second thing is that it is the only way that the evil that sin produces can be limited. Sin produces evil. Sin produces corruption. When a man or a person, when a, when a person is having um, sexual intercourse, the purpose of God for sexual intercourse is made clear, is apparent, and the revelation is clear from the scriptures. It is for the bonding and the procreation between a man and a woman. Being the privileges they enjoy because of the oath that they have made to each other. 
So that means that a man and a woman swear an oath to each other that it is me and you against the world. In sickness and in health, me and you forever and ever, nothing can come in between us. It is because the person has given that oath to that person and, you, and the partner too has also given the oath back that the person can become vulnerable to open their entire being to the person. And that is the essence of nakedness. Their entire being is open and laid bare to another person. The reason why, the only way that can be right to open your entire being to another person is if that person has sworn that this nakedness you are showing me, I will never betray it. Did you hear what I just said now? Did you hear what I just said now? The only way that opening up yourself to another person cannot be evil is if that person that you are opening it up to has sworn that this thing you are showing me is between me and you and nothing can ever come between us. You are forever safe as long as I'm alive. And that's why God now did it such that that is the only time that children can come. So that when human beings are vulnerable, coming as babies, and they cannot defend themselves, they will come within that institution where two people have sworn to protect themselves. You know what I just said now? So those that are coming into that institution, they have protection by default because of the love and the bond between those two people. Whenever this setup is distorted, you open up yourself to another person just because you were having some tinglings in your body or because the person took you out to go and eat chicken. The suffering and the calamity that comes from it. God, you know, is, 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 what your eye has seen is, is deserved. That's why all kinds of evils flow from distorting that picture. That's why all kinds of evils flow from distorting that picture. The sense of self-worth of a person is destroyed. Opening up yourself to one person, another person, another person, another person, and then you now turn yourself to something else. You, that God has created you with dignity. And your self-esteem is being killed. You feel like as if there's nothing valuable about yourself. Because whether you like it or not, irrespective of how you want to shape it, the sense of opening up yourself to somebody like that is something that even in your subconscious you know is a heavy thing. You, you know it's a heavy thing. You know that it's like giving yourself, all of yourself to a person. And when the person now ignores it or despises it or leaves it to go to another person, that's why it burns deep inside you. Of course it will burn. Because that's not what it was created for. Of course. Master said, we're having depression. I want to commit suicide. Why won't you commit suicide? Do you understand that? It's the natural outworking of sin leading to death. It's the organic consequence of sin. The institution where it's meant to be an oath between two people. That is where God has tied the procreation for children to come forth. Come from, you give it to just anybody. You give it to crazy human beings. People that are not deserving of it. And then you are now pregnant. And then, something that was supposed to be a blessing, the arrival and the creation of any human being is always a good thing. It's always a blessing. And the human beings in the depravity of their minds trying to justify the evil upon evil. You have done fornication, which is an evil. You want to pile on top of it to make that evil feel better. You now add another evil to it and now say, it is not really a human being, let us destroy it. 
You're adding evil upon evil. And death is coming out of it. Next thing, the family, the family unit is destroyed. People whose minds have become depraved. Their, their minds and their values have been depraved because they've given themselves to sin. The family unit is weak in that society because they don't understand what it means to look at someone and swear that I will never leave you. That whatever it takes for me to make you fulfill your purpose, I will do it till I die. They don't understand it. So they run into hospital to the church to go and get married as if it's um, um, his food they are going to buy and come out. And when there's one small challenge, they say they're doing divorce. Irreconcilable differences. Why? Because um, I want to have sex and you don't want to have sex. Irreconcilable difference. Over what? Useless things. I'm an introvert, she's an extrovert. Useless things. So the family unit is weaker. Children are being born into a family where people don't understand commitment and oath and marriage. They are born into families where their same parents are fighting. Parents are committing sin, doing evil to one another. They are seeing those evils. Their parents are breaking up and divorcing. They are growing up in those societies and then they are growing up with mental illnesses. Someone studied recently. The greatest contribution to mental illness for young people is family problems. People that are coming home from good families, father and mother loving and taking care of them without abuse, go and check. They don't have mental issues. Most of the time, right? Do you understand what I'm saying? So you see the way that evil is piling up. Can you see that? Can you see the way the evil is, is manifesting and is, is multiplying from one generation to another? Because it started from one person who wants to be having sex outside of the plan of God. Those children grow up with mental illnesses, all kinds of things, and they too follow that path. And they will now enter a vicious cycle. And the God that created all these things, that knows the plan he created it for, you, he can see everything spoiling. Do you understand that? See, what will you do? What will you do? What will you do? Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Do you understand what I'm saying to you? So all these things will be happening if the first person that started this domino, catastrophic domino effect and this evil, if the person does not know that this fornication you are doing is a big deal, you don't feel like what you are doing is a big deal when you are doing it, but it is a big deal. The person cannot know except a Lord comes and shows up and says, I created you. Whether you understand or not, don't do it. Do you understand what I just said now? Did you understand what I just said now? Hmm. That's what Apostle Paul's analogy in Galatians chapter 4 that we're going to read now. He said that we were like children under the elements of this world, being saved and being trained until salvation appears. <laughs> when a child is small and the child wants to be eating only sugar and ribina, does not eat any food. You don't say, Katie darling, there's something called balanced diet so that when you eat enough proteins and carbs and other minerals, it will help you to grow up because your brain is still developing. And if your brain does not develop well, the maximum IQ you're going to have, you, you cannot understand. When the child, you say, eat your food. I don't want to eat, collect water, water. You will understand later. Do you understand what I just said now? Galatians chapter 4, let's read it. Make it not be like I said, they wine you. 
Galatians chapter 4. Let's read Galatians chapter 3, verse 23, 25 first. In fact, these chapters, you know we talked about it on Wednesday, right? We were meant to read it together, but you know, let's just read 23 and 25. Chapter 3, verse 23 first. <clears throat> Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come will be what? Revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came. That might be what? Justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. Do you see that? The law was meant to prepare us and keep us like a guardian so that our head can be correct. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. What I am saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his what? See that? You are kept by guardians and trustees until the time set by the father. And Bible says that when the dispensation of the fullness of time came, he appeared as his son. Hallelujah. Do you see that? So also, when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption of what? Sonship. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. It was necessary for the Lord to come first to limit the sin and to make us and to train our wills or their wills but for us. Do you understand that? Don't forget that the law was for them. The law was for them but we, by reading what was written down, will also learn the same lesson for them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me just, just say some things. Let me not follow notes for a while because we have a long way to go. This series goes long. Hallelujah. The law came to begin to open the volition of man to begin to understand some things. That's why all kinds of laws and ceremonial laws were written in the law of Moses. You know, like the laws of atonement. To begin to train their minds, to begin to recognize that the life of the flesh is in the blood. And for the sin of a man to be wiped out, for him to be atoned for, for his sins to be taken care of, an animal must take his place. Because what is meant to happen to you normally is what? Death. So whenever sin is committed, something must die. When you have cut yourself away from God, there has to be death. So John and I said now, it is the mercy of God that that death can be received vicariously by another entity. I don't know how to say it again. What's the meaning of vicarious? It is indirectly by proxy for another person. You might not understand because you don't understand that how can a goat die for me and I'll be feeling like as if it's me that died. Let me explain what it means. One of the things that it does, we'll talk about this, all these things a lot. Don't worry, we'll continue next week. Hey, these things, some of you are experiencing things vicariously by living on social media. Some people, I'm, can I pastor? Can I pastor? All right, okay, let me pastor. Some people are living the offense and resentment and bitterness that they never, that they were nev they never received offense for. You will be in Nigeria and you will be angry at some people in another country because they said they were slaves and they are doing them some things in their country. And you are in Nigeria, you are getting angry. You know what I just said now? 
You are experiencing it here even though you've never experienced it. You, you come from a good family. God has blessed you that all the men in your life are good men. Nobody has ever oppressed you. But you will go on social media and be angry at men because somebody did a thread of how men abused her. You understand, huh? You'll be joining them to say all men are bad. You, that's in your house. You know the kind of men that are there. You don't even physically know any bad man. You do. You don't physically know any bad man. But you'll be angry and be changing your bio to feminist because of what someone else experienced. That's what they call vicarious experiences. You that God has blessed you, you have a good relationship. No, no girl has ever cheated on you before. You go and read Petra Kiefsey's tweet of women has come, of how women were cheating on their boyfriends and then you begin to distrust your own girlfriend because of another person's tweet. You can see that. It might sound funny, but that's what they call vicarious suffering. The men of old will look at a goat, the way the goat dies, and see the way that goat dies and know that, see, normally, is my neck. So when they tell you, you've committed fornication, hmm? I don't feel it's a big deal, it's a big deal. Let me show you. For you to atone for this fornication you have done, kill these goats. Watch it. You will now say, God, hmm. You will now say, bring the goat. Leviticus chapter 1 verse 4. Make sure you lay your hand on it. So you touch the goat with your hand. Put your hand on the head and feel it. So that you can identify with the goat. Touch it very well. Can you feel it? He say, yes. Touch it very well. And I say, bring the goat, kill it. So as you are seeing the goat dying, you will know that normally, normally, this is me. When you leave that place and someone says, come and do fornication, you know, except there's something really wrong with your brain. You remember, I just died because of this thing. You want me to come and die again? The problem now is that you will still do it again. You will now be dying 10 times. You will now get to a point where like, God, I don't want to die again. You now say, God, what can I do so I will not die again? You say, you cannot even do it by yourself. It's me that will come and do it for you. Do you understand now? When we are saying give thanks for salvation, it's not something that we Christians just like doing because it's our caucus, it's our own belief system. It's a big deal. That's why the early Christians were able to, the joy of salvation was enough for them to live through massive persecution. Do we pluck out a person's eye like this? Poop, because he doesn't believe it, because he refused to renounce Jesus. He can't still be giving thanks. You still be praising God. The joy of salvation is a joy that is enough to carry you through any problem in this life. When you don't have money, you say, God, I don't have money. But I remember you died for me. Ah, thank you, Jesus. Because normally you know that you are meant to die for the sins you have committed. The reason why you don't feel like this is because you still feel like sin is not a big deal. And that is why when the Bible, the Bible, the Bible Jesus prophesied, he said that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will come to convict the world of sin. Any preaching of the gospel that is not convicting sinners of their sin is no gospel. Oh, hey, anybody, if you want Jesus to turn your life around, come forward, come forward, come forward. All of them will now come forward like, like rams. Come forward. If you want Jesus to turn your life around, Jesus can take care of your marriage. Jesus can take care of your job. Jesus can take care of your sickness. Come forward, come forward, come forward. All of them will now run forward and say, hey, and they will now leave the place and go and be doing blood money. That is the reason why. Because what they came to receive here. Yeah, it was not Jesus who, 
He was not Yeshua. He was Jesus. <laughs> That's what they received. Though. That's what they received. See, go this week and tell your friends, normally you should die for this thing you have done. And we know that you cannot help yourself. There's someone that can help you. Come, let's tell you about him. Ask people, what do you know about God? Don't be jumping. Make sure that people even understand that God is God Almighty. This is one hack for preaching the gospel. You know what I'm saying? This is one hack. Start by affirming that God is God Almighty. That's the reason why we are doing apologetics now. Because now people don't even believe that there's God Almighty. So you start from where God started with Abraham. That's where apologetics comes in. Church, are you together? You defend the faith. Defend the resurrection of the dead. Defend the existence of miracles. Defend what God has done. Defend creation. God has given us a lot of wisdom and intellectual tools that we can use to do that. Having defended that, you now let them know that God is Lord. You cannot be living your life anyhow. Church, I get what I'm saying? Then you now make them recognize. Because sometimes they are preaching the gospel to some persons and it's like as if they are not hearing. It's like they don't understand. The problem might be that they don't even recognize or value that there is a God Almighty. He tells someone, stop doing sin, committing sin. Meanwhile, the person does not even believe that there is a God Almighty. What are you doing? They're just wasting your time. Church, out together. We'll continue on Sunday. Hallelujah. Please bow down your heads and let's pray in the Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. For more updates on our programs and audio messages, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at this excellent church. God bless you.